welcome to another episode of State Reppin'. As always, I'm your co-host with half the most, State Representative Jonathan Brostoff from the 19th District, joined by my partner in good, State Representative David Bowen. Half the most? You sure about that? Yeah, you're the other half. Oh, got it. All right, now it makes sense. Yep, with the breakfast toast. And you are from District Number 10, the Fightin' 10th. That I am, the Talented 10th. Talented 10th. Yeah. Man, so a lot to go over this week. Holy mackerel. Well, we got a whole hour to do it. Man. Show 140-something. 143. 143. Man. Back as if we never left. And uh, you are, as always, looking sharp. You had a very uh, special event this morning. Hey, man. Well, you know, fall is is here. Fall's upon us. And so my autumn vibes are now here as well. Autumn, autumn Get up on them, something, something. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man, it's all about layers. It's all Absolutely. about trying to stay warm. Like the 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 cold that hit us this uh, this oh, weekend man. was like it was a serious reminder. Like, oh, uh, I think you need a coat. Yeah. It's not <laughs> all my. You don't want to wear a coat, but it's like I think you should wear a coat. Everyone's putting up the first frost of the year. You know, Facebook pictures, stuff like Took that. Took my AC out man. the window, dropped a tear. <sighs> Time passes. Yeah, man. Time marches on. It does. It waits for no one. Uh, after winter must come spring because mm-hmm. everything is everything. So uh, we had we we got a couple things we wanted to get into. We talked a little bit earlier before the show started, but there's kind of three main topics we're going to want to touch on. We'll see if there's room for other stuff afterwards. First and foremost, we'll get into Indigenous Peoples Day, which is today. Uh, yeah. We usually don't like to date ourselves um, on the show because sometimes people listen to it at other times. But right, right. Uh, but we're going to do it today. This is you know Happy Indigenous Peoples Day today, first in Wisconsin, and we'll go into that. And you were at the ceremony. Yes. We're also going to go into some stuff popping off at the state. We had a session day. And we'll also talk about why there's so few of those as well as the uh happenings of of this previous one sure. and then we'll talk a bit about the international side and what's um popping off with turkey syria the kurds etc mm-hmm. and ron johnson as well the abandonment ma'am of the kurds so uh first and foremost you were able to go to the naming ceremony today for indigenous people's park in milwaukee county yes yeah, so uh milwaukee county had a park named columbus park which was named after Christopher Columbus. Yep, northwest side. And uh, this is about um, maybe like 73rd, 79th, and off of uh, Hampton there. Yep. And uh, it was really a great time um, just to be around so many people that have looked forward to this day. Uh, I, I In my speech, I really talked about, you know, how... Uh, not just the park naming, but the day itself is, it, it was a monument to uh, the destruction of indigenous peoples uh, and, and indigenous nations um, that were here much before Christopher Columbus and were attacked and raped and uh, uh, pillaged uh, from Christopher Columbus and his cronies. Um, and it was important that we recognize the true history um, of our community, of our country, and uh, provide some justice and truth to that and, and lifting up indigenous people and native people. So it was uh, it's such a loving space to be in today um, at the new Indigenous Peoples Park. On Indigenous Peoples Day? Yeah. 
Uh, the yeah. governor uh, uh, recently proclaimed that governor by Evers. executive order. Mm-hmm. It is officially on state calendar. Yep, first uh, in state history, I believe. First time in state yeah. history, correct? So it's uh, a big deal. I bet I got to pick a. a I got to give a big shout out to Senator Taylor, mm-hmm. who helped me uh, author the bill mm-hmm. for uh, replacing uh, on the state calendar in legislative uh, action um, to yep change the law and have Indigenous Peoples Day. And if, um, if memory serves, book. you've actually been on this for much longer than even Evers has been in office. You started this two cycles ago, I believe. Well, it, it, before uh, Evers was there, but also even before I was elected, you know, I was a part of a number of social justice networks mm. where um, the foundation of uh, true education and um, uh, supporting our communities, it starts with uh, what we teach our children, what we recognize in history. And uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, replacing Columbus Day, has been at the forefront of that battle um, and making sure we recognize our uh our brothers and sisters of native nations. So, mm. um, you know, I remember those, uh, those, those, those conferences and those networks and, um, so many people, uh, and, and, you know, I was reminded today just of the time, uh, that it took to, uh, to see this through. I had fourth graders from Indian community school yep. approach me and, uh, Senator Taylor. And, um, they saw that, you know, it was something that I wanted to do in the, uh, beginning of my tenure uh, as we first got sworn in um, in uh, January of 2015 mm-hmm. that same year uh, I unveiled a bill uh, to uh, to recognize Indigenous Peoples Day and to try to get that path passed and I had the help of the young people mm-hmm. coming to the Capitol um, press conferences they they ran themselves yep um, and it really just brought me back to my roots of like coming from a run underground and working with high school students. So this was um, one of those efforts that really touched my heart. Absolutely. And those fourth graders are now seventh graders. Oh man! And you know, it reminds maybe, you how it might be, fast it might, time flies. I was gonna say it might even be worth you getting back in touch with that class, with those folks, and seeing if your staff could. Yeah, uh, set I see. Up I a, saw them today. I saw, oh, the saw them today. today. Oh, yeah. So they were at the at the park. Oh man. And um, you know, I just reminded them, like, this is the power, the power that young people have yep, to be able to change the world. Absolutely. And uh, to be able to not wait until they're told to be able to do something, but to take the action of the change that they want to see right now. Straight up. Yeah. So well, it was, it was an amazing space to be in. Yeah, I had um, a, a previous uh, family engagement that I couldn't uh, get out of, so I wasn't able to be there. But I saw the photos look great. I saw Representative Crowley there. Mm-hmm. County Supervisor Martin, County Supervisor Wyshawn, Wyshawn was yep, there. Yep. Who there authored go. the uh, resolution the at the county? Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. fantastic. And yeah, a true civics lesson for for these young people. For yeah, sure. absolutely, directly. Well, mm-hmm. and also, you know, I think it speaks to something deeper as well that it might not be necessarily apparent on first glance, but we really take a step back. It's like a lot of a lot of the stuff we look at in our society is taken for granted and it's just like oh this is because it was mm-hmm. but everything started somewhere and nothing is undoable that's right and whatever it is whether it's something like this you know the indigenous people's day in wisconsin for example or mm-hmm. collective bargaining rights or um you know environmental regulations or or consumer protections whatever or or even campaign finance law 
whatever we're talking about can be done or undone. It's just people in a room discussing and then deciding something and moving forward. That's it mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But people think there's this magic, you know, and it, and it just goes to show that there can be progress or there can be regressive stuff too. That's right. It can be it done can or back. undone. Yeah. But stuff can, st- it's just because it is doesn't mean it shall be. Sure. Sure. And this is such a fundamental thing because we think about, at least when I grew up, think about Columbus. That was an inherent part. That was not, you know, just that wasn't something you would touch. The same way, you know, the sky wouldn't be purple, uh, water would always be wet. You know, mm-hmm. eighteen. You know, it, it. You know, eighteen is the age. You know, it's it's just one of these inherent things in society. But it can be done. It can be undone, like anything else. It's just people talking. It's just being able to persuade, make the case, and and uh, move forward and show progress to society. So I think it's exciting kind of on a couple levels. And props to you and to everyone who's been working on this for so long and glad we have a partner in the governor's office now who respects that and is willing to move forward as well. So props mm-hmm. to Governor Evers and also to all the people who've been working on this. And also yeah, Arvina Martin, who's been a great uh, champion mm-hmm. for many Absolutely. years as Absolutely. well. But, yeah. And, and you know, I... I want to say I appreciate those of the Italian community that saw the value in being able to recognize the truth. And, um, you know, not not everybody was able to get on board uh, with this change um, or this effort because they felt like it was an attack on uh, people of Italian descent. But it definitely wasn't. Um, It's about the true history that this country has and Mm -hmm. recognizing people that have. Um, you know, that have not seen justice from uh, the things that have happened and the opposite has happened where we are celebrating folks that have contributed to uh, their demise. Right. And um, I think it, it's a it's a really big statement because I even, you know, had conversations with folks on both sides of the aisle. Um, right. That all San Filippo, for could, example. Uh, yeah, yeah. That not all of them could get on board with this change. So. I I hear them, uh, but I also want to remind them specifically, um, you know, that it's only a matter of time when uh, even the next generations that come after them will think back and try to figure out, like, why did this take so long? Right. Um, Why did... uh, Folks, especially in the state of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin way is based on truth. It's based right. on justice. It's based on um, helping each other. And uh, um, I think a lot of a lot of people, a lot of young people, of the next generation will be able to move a lot quicker than we are. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, um, but much much uh, props to those of the Italian community that can uh, see the value in uh, in social justice and see the value in recognizing the true plight of people. 100%. And, well, you know, and to, to kind of further your point, I feel like we're, as a society, in this place where to people who have enjoyed kind of extreme and unearned privilege, mm-hmm. equity looks probably like forever. oppression. Yeah, probably forever. You know, to them. And this, I remember those conversations, and I remember, like, hearing the arguments back and forth, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know... The idea that this, you know, person in history who represents this extreme violence and da 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 should be celebrated. So it's like, hmm, you know, let me think about that. But yeah, 
But then, but to another extent, it's like, well, I'm Italian of descent or Italian American. This is my pride, you know, da da da, pride in this, pride in that, da da da. It's mm-hmm. like, well, what about the empathy about looking from other people's feelings, other side of perspective, da da da? Well, that, you know, well, that's a pre- you know, they're oppressing me. They're trying to come after me, you know, I, you know, da da. It's like, when you're already born on third base, when you've got all these things working, when you, in, you know, inherit, you know, or blah, blah, blah it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I can understand. You know, we're we're kind of at this reckoning point where it's not sustainable. It's not the way to move forward. To you know, status quo is not the way forward. But um, but there's going to be resistance to that, mm. and it's about expl- You know, it's about overcoming that and explaining why. And I think this is a good example of that. And um, <laughs> speaking of empathy, yeah, it's kind of an interesting segue. Yeah, into session. Oh, man. It's probably the lack of empathy man. that you're highlighting. Because, you know, me and you witnessed on the floor of the assembly uh, one of the most powerful speeches um, that we heard from one of our members that just wanted to be included, that wanted the access to be um, a representative and a part of the legislative body just like everybody else. Um, and the fact that he is in a wheelchair the fact that he has uh, these prior things that have happened to him and his family that has put him in this situation should not stop him or anybody uh, that would be in that position to be able to serve their district and represent their constituents. And for those who who don't know what we're talking about because it's a little bit still insider baseball right now, yeah. can you go into kind of the deep detail about the background of this and what went down? Yeah, and I and I... You know, hopefully we can uh, get a chance to bring Jimmy on the show. Yeah, he just uh, texted me show back. Show the uh, play his clip of what he said and, and yeah. kind of get his insight at some point. But, um, you know, essentially, Representative Jimmy Anderson out of Dane County in the Madison area um, had a powerful speech just on his plight of every day, uh, the preparation that he has to make to be at the Capitol. And it was just just petty uh, laziness, I just want to say, on, on the part of Republican leadership to call meetings at the last minute and not give him the chance to, uh, to be there because it's a process for him. You know, in fact, I, you know, if it's cool with you, I, I, it's a little bit long, but I'd actually like to play the speech. Do you have it? I just pulled it up. It's, I think, one of the most powerful speeches yeah. we've ever had on the I floor. say let's play it. And, okay. uh, I, I do kind of, you know, I... I, I, we'll have, we'll have a link in the, in the show notes. Too, we'll so have a link in the show notes, but it's such an impactful thing that I yeah. don't want to... I, I want to make sure as many people get to hear yeah. what went down mm-hmm. on the assembly floor as possible. Yeah. So I'm, I'm well, just, at least you play a clip. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, uh, I appreciate you all understanding and, and coming to your seats because after everything that I've gone through for the past three years, I thought... Uh, given how little support that I've received from you all, that you should at least have to sit here and listen to what I have to say. Now, I want to give everyone the totality of my circumstances so they understand how unnecessary and unfortunate it is that we're here having to do this in this way. I want people to understand how small and petty it is that the majority is forcing me to vote against my own disability mm-hmm. accommodation. Right. 
Now we can say that this disability accommodation is for everyone and I am glad for every individual who gets to use this disability accommodation, but there can be no doubt that the reason we are here today is to accommodate me. Now before beginning, I want everyone to realize that it is entirely within the majority's power to separate my disability accommodation from the rest of the resolution. And in fact, if they had done that, we could have all have voted together and supported my accommodation and celebrated the ADA together. And in fact, I made that request and it was ignored. And in fact, many of you voted before I was here to prevent that from happening. It would have been a great moment for us to come together, both sides of the aisle, to say that you support the ADA. And that, yes, even though you disagree with me politically, that you believe that I, as a fellow representative, deserve to be included in the legislative process, even when my disability makes that difficult. So let's talk about my disability, so that way you understand why it is that I need this accommodation. Now, I've tried to talk about this in the most politically correct way possible, but it doesn't seem to have worked. So let's get real honest. Now, for the members that are new that don't know, the reason why I'm in this wheelchair is because a drunk driver ran a stop sign at 60 miles an hour when I was on my way to celebrate my birthday with my family. It was me, my mother, my father, and my 14-year-old little brother. He slammed into the side of our vehicle running a stop sign, drunk and high. The vehicle tumbled end over end and we slammed into a palm tree. I came to hanging upside down in that car and I was staring into the lifeless eyes of my little brother his body broken and bent, bleeding. And I begged him to tell me that he was still alive. I begged him over and over to tell me that he was okay. And all I could do was stare because I couldn't move. And I started begging my mom and my dad to tell me that they were okay. And all I could hear was the ticking of the engine that was until I bled out. On that day, my entire family was taken from me. And I suffered a complete spinal fracture at my C4 vertebrae. And it left me as a quadriplegic. I will never walk. I will never use my hands. I will never be able to enjoy my life as I once did. Sorry, this is difficult. You know, at the time I was going to law school here at the UW, and so my insurance was tied to here, and so being out of network, my insurance company said, well, you gotta get back here so you can finish your rehabilitation. And so I was flown back. I don't have family here. 
I'm not married. I depend upon the kindness of strangers to live my life. I depend upon you to live my life, to do my work. Taking this job means that I don't have access to state benefits. You know, private insurance doesn't cover home health care. I mean this literally when I say that I spend tens of thousands of dollars more than I make in this job to do this job. But I do so happily. It's a sacrifice I love to make. I love coming to this building and working with you all. It means the world to me to be able to serve my constituents and serve my state. But I can only do this job if you accommodate me. Now during this ordeal, I've been told many times that Jimmy, you live in Dane County. You're just 30 minutes away. You could just come and do this job, no problem. Well, Mr. Speaker, that's not true. If you threw me from this wheelchair and asked me to crawl to the other side of this room, it would take me a lifetime. So, let me tell you a little bit more about what it's like to be a quadriplegic. You know, in the mornings, I have to do something called a bowel program. We have to train our bodies so that way we don't void our bowels at the inappropriate time. And that means I have to have a trained health professional come in. That means I have to be moved into a commode chair. That means that I have to use a suppository. There has to be digital stimulation in order for me to appropriately, completely void my bowels so that way I don't have accidents when I'm here. And as many of you don't know that a lot of the private agencies that provide this help don't include that. I literally have one person that I can rely on to do this service. It takes hours and hours. It is painful. It is embarrassing. And you wonder why it takes me so long to get here. Why a 10 a.m. start time that I'm rushing to try to get here so that way I can speak on this bill. And so when I ask for that accommodation that we do things at reasonable times with reasonable notice, it's because I don't want to talk to you about these things. But you don't give me these accommodations, and so I have to sit here and debase myself and talk to you about these things in public because you don't understand otherwise. When I requested these accommodations, did the speaker come and speak to me? No. Did the majority leader come and speak to me? No. Did a single one of you, when you heard I asked for these accommodations, come and speak to me? No. And so here we are, having to have this very uncomfortable conversation because I couldn't get the simple dignity and respect that I would hope that you would show to someone that you cared about. So, while many of you only have to consider getting up, deciding what to eat for breakfast, how to get dressed, I'll tell you that 
for me, I had to say, let my assistant know that I'm sorry, but we're gonna have to start things very early because I had to be here by 10 a.m. And so I knew that I needed to start at 6 a.m. to do my personal cares. That meant that I had to ask her to get ready at 4.30 in the morning to get here, to get to my house by 6 a.m. And she has a young child. That meant that she had to get her kid up at five o'clock in the morning to try to beat the traffic to get here, to be able to get her at daycare on time. And then she gets to my house and we begin my personal cares. And then after my bowel program, we have to move to wound care. Now, as many of you don't know, during the lame duck session, I developed what's called pressure ulcers. And that's because I had to be in this chair for too long. Mm -hmm. Those pressure ulcers got infected down to the bone. Mm -hmm. That meant that I had to go in for an emergency surgery. They had to cut out literally pounds of flesh. They had to dig out bone that my surgeon said looked like chalk. I had to take intravenous antibiotics for weeks. And I had to spend months on bed rest. That is why I made that accommodation request that we don't have overnight sessions. Because it literally puts my life at risk. I don't want to have to talk to you about my personal healthcare needs. But you disregard my accommodation request with a wave of the hand as if what I'm asking for is too much. But because you refuse to have just the simple decency to provide these accommodation requests, now we have to have, again, these very uncomfortable conversations. And so, yes, in the mornings, I am still getting wound care from wounds I suffered well over a year ago. So after that, excuse me, I'm sorry. I have to be put into this suit. I need someone to help me brush my teeth. I have to be moved into this wheelchair. Then I put my table on, I grab my cell phone, and I'm out the door. And then I'm commuting here. On difficult days, it sometimes takes me four to five hours. I have no control over how my body's going to react. And so it's difficult sometimes to know when I'm going to get here. That's why I asked for the accommodations. That way I could call into committee hearings. I don't want to have to have these kind of conversations with my committee chairs. I would just hope that you would trust me as the person who is disabled, that when I'm asking for these accommodations, it is not because I am trying to be selfish. It is not because I'm trying to disrespect the office or this building. I am asking to be included in the legislative process to the mm -hmm. best of my ability. Mm -hmm. And to think that I would be disrespectful mm -hmm. to this building offends me to my core. Mm -hmm. Now, what I've been hearing over and over again that when I asked for these accommodations, it was a political stunt. Now, as you've heard from everyone, I asked for these accommodations in February. 
I asked because I had had these experiences over my first term and I wanted to make changes to the rules to make it so it was easier for me to be a part of the body and to do my work as a legislator. And so, as the speaker told me several times in letters, he cannot change the rules by fiat. And I agreed. I read the rules and that's how I understood them. So I went to my leadership and said, can you please go to Republican leadership and make these changes? February went by and I heard, no, they're not going to make the changes to these rules. Why? Well, they're not providing us with a decent answer. And what I hear next is, well, you're only negotiating this through the press. February, I waited and waited for there to be some resolution between the two sides. Nothing. Did I go to the press? No. March, I waited and waited for there to be a resolution to the negotiations. Did I go to the press? No. April, did I go to the press? No. All during this time, I am missing committee hearings because of my disability. And that is when I approached the press and said, it has been months and I've been denied my disability accommodations. I have not been provided any reason for that. I am so surprised that it would be so difficult to get you all to agree that I should do more work, that I should be here and be a better representative. And so then the media begins to report on this story. And only then do I begin to hear anything from the majority about my need for this disability accommodation. And so I thought maybe it was just the majority, maybe it was just the speaker that wasn't being supportive. And so I sent out a letter to each and every one of you asking you all to sign on. And I didn't attack anybody. I referenced the fact that the ADA was passed with both Republican and Democratic support, passed by a Republican president, supported by Bob Dole, a Republican. And I asked you all to be supportive of my need for a disability accommodation. And not one of you signed on. Not one of my Republican colleagues signed on. Not one of my Republican colleagues came to my office and asked, Jimmy, are you okay? What's the problem? What do you need? What can we do to help? Silence from the other side. And that hurt. I've been nothing but kind to you all. I've tried my best to be respectful, to do this in the most collegial way possible, to do everything in my power to not embarrass the people that are, were denying me this simple accommodation. And again, remember, I was just asking to use the damn speaker phones, something the Senate is already doing, something we're already doing during joint committees. And so now we're here. And what the great irony of this is that this is a political stunt that's being pulled. I asked the representative from the 5th District. I should say, actually, let me begin from the beginning. 
I was here on a Tuesday meeting with some interest groups and I get pulled from my office and I'm being told they're going to do something for your accommodations. They're going to pass something through rules. You need to come up and hear what's going on. And yes, I did approach Disability Rights Wisconsin to represent me in a potential ADA lawsuit. And they sent a letter saying that you have until October 1st to meet the disability accommodations that I requested. And I heard nothing. I purposely did not tell the press about this potential lawsuit because the speaker had said so many times that I was negotiating only through the press and yet they continued to ignore even my lawyer's request. Now, did they bring me in to talk about this disability accommodation? No, they did not ask me. The person who is most likely to benefit from this accommodation, they left me in the dark. They did not ask for my participation. I was all of a sudden, like I said, brought up a couple days before and found out that this was gonna be done. And so I called the representative from the 5th and said, please, I need to be able to provide some insight into this because there are serious concerns. And some changes were made that I was appreciative of. But the one thing that I said, the thing that was most important was that we make it its own resolution so that way I could vote on it and that way we could vote on it together. And I was told no. Why? For what purpose are we not providing me the opportunity, the thing that I've been fighting for from the very beginning, to be able to vote on it as its own piece of a resolution? There's no reason other than to be spiteful, than to be cruel, than to be petty. It would take a very small man to not be willing to provide me even that simple kindness and decency. And then I was told from the representative of the fifth that, well, we could have dropped this on your lap today. Oh, I'm supposed to be appreciative that you weren't as cruel as you could have possibly been. I'm supposed to be thankful that you weren't as mean as you could have been. How could you not sit there and think that I wouldn't be thankful for this? So here we are. I need 15 of my members on the other side of the aisle to recognize that this is not the right way to do this. That you can find another way to do this. I want to be able to vote on this. Now, do I completely agree with the accommodation? No, there are things that can be made better, but would I vote for it? Yes, but because the majority wants to do this in the most petty way possible. Because they want to include it with these other rule changes that I don't agree with, and it's fine, we can have the debate about whether or not these rules are good or bad, fine. But why do we have to include this disability accommodation here? It makes no sense other than to sit there and deny me the opportunity to vote on my own disability resolution. So let me just say that really 
we can find other ways to pass these rules, other times, other opportunities. But not here, not now, not in this way. If you have any respect for me as a fellow colleague, if you respect me as a human being, if you think that I deserve the simple decency of being able to vote for my own disability accommodation and resolution, turn this down and let's find another way. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Oh, man. Powerful moment. Yeah, a lot of tissues were flowing during that speech mm -hmm. on the floor. Very emotional. And again, you know, as a quick recap from all that, just because there was so much there, for months and months and months, because of the, you know, uh, uh, situation Jimmy was in as a quadriplegic from the drunk driver who hit him and killed his family and and uh, hit and and uh, caused that damage to him personally. Uh, he and because of the basically because of the lame duck overnight session that they pulled where we we're supposed to be on the floor at 11 and then it went to one and then it went to instead of one in the afternoon midnight and then it went to four in the morning and we finally could start debate. Um, he suffered some additional injuries. Uh, ne still needed these accommodations pushed back again and the Republicans would not be willing to accommodate and what are these accommodations we're talking about it's basic things being able to call into a committee which he did call into the speaker's task force and other members like resident tittle did um for the speaker's task force on suicide prevention to be able to call into committee hearings which we already do for joint committee hearings mm -hmm. as well as for senate committee hearings right. which we had before voss was there we already had that rule in place we have the technology it's not a big stretch mm -hmm. But again, it's because of this petty power grab. And then a couple of days before, they said, well, Jimmy, we'll give you some of the accommodations you asked for. Since you threatened this lawsuit and came public, maybe we'll meet you halfway. But it's going to come at a cost. We're going to make sure Democrats, if we do this, you guys can't uh, have any bills to pulling motions, have any bills authored from the or, uh, presented from the floor. We're going to make sure that you can't bring up any of that legislation. We're going to make sure that Democrats can't meet on legislation. If we introduce something a minute mm -hmm. before and to make you vote on it yep. and don't give you time to read it or review it or anything, we're not going to give you any time to look it over yep. and allow for any of that. We're not going to give you time to discuss stuff. We're going to take all these powers away so we can have uh, more steamrolling of democracy. We'll do this so we don't look that bad. And we're going to use and hijack your disability access for our anti-democracy measures and that's what happened and that's why he's really against and that was one of the just worst moments in in republican history in the state of, of, of many horrible ones yeah as if uh there was just an effort only to provide disability accommodations for democratic legislators right well it's for everybody it's for it's for everyone and it's the law the ada demands that mm -hmm. people get access at work. It's not right. anything special. And in fact, on top of that, this should be something that is an opportunity mm -hmm. that we should draw from the lived experience of one of our coworkers who can provide more policy insights and Absolutely. more, Absolutely. you know, but instead of that, it was used as a cudgel against someone who needed that access mm -hmm. and against the Democratic uh, lawmakers in order to steal more democracy and to deny him access for yeah. months and months, for months, 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 months at a time, eight yeah. months in a row. And how is this any different than what Trump did with Ukraine and saying, you know, you'll get your foreign aid if 
you do these extra things. Right. So we should. Yeah. Let's <laughs> right. let's get into the. So it's it's like yeah. This is the exact same type of like mindset where right. right. It has nothing to do with you know Democrats asking for this change for our benefit, right? Um, these changes are being implemented because it's owed to this lawmaker mm-hmm. who should have access to his job, just like every other lawmaker that's in that building. Mm-hmm. A- and it, and it should not, he shouldn't be separated out and singled out, um, you know, for the sake of sticking it to Democrats because he's a Democrat, right? Exactly. And imagine if it was like, a disabled Republican member. Oh my gosh! And Night like, and, day. and he and he was just clear that hey, for me to be included, I need these accommodations, and we would respect it, right? And we would respect it. But how how petty would it be for us to be like, no, you're a Republican, you, if you want these changes, we'll give you the changes, but you have to do these extra things, right? You have to give up this extra amount of uh, uh, leverage and power that. We normally wouldn't ask for you to give up, but since you're asking for more, we're going to ask for more. Like, that's so, it's so bad. It really is. Yep. Um, Straight up. When he said it, it would take such, so small of a man to be able to do that. Right. Speak- I was like, whoa. Right. And that's referencing Robin Voss, who made this call, who, as I understand it, lied to the other Republicans saying Jimmy did not request any of this. And he basically tried to sugarcoat it with all the Republicans. That's how he could sell to him. Oh, I'm not denying him this. He just never asked for it. Of course he asked for it. And by the way, damn all the Republicans who went along with this because they know the truth. Regardless of the lies Robin Voss spits to them, they know that obviously you know, he needs these accommodations. Obviously, sure. he's not playing games when he, sure. you know, didn't take it public for months until he heard nothing back from Voss. And then yeah, finally yeah, he did not to, go to the public first. Right, he had to do something because he couldn't, because Voss was stopping him from doing his sure. job. Sure, And the only reason I believe Voss moved on this is because the lawsuit was coming mm-hmm. because he knew that there was going to be um, more political backlash since he took this job with NCSL as the president, so now he can fundraise at a higher level and bring more money into politics, which, yeah, great thing. That's what everyone wants. And he, unfortunately, um, has a bunch of enabling Republican underlings who are willing to go along with his evil actions because they either fear him or want power from him. And that's what we're seeing over and over and over. And, you know, it's funny. I, uh, you know, just for some insider baseball stuff, we, part of why we started this show is to let people know what's going on on the state side from a kind of honest, not just like, you know, t- consultant-y, politician-y perspective where you just hear what's, you know, what, what they want you to hear and type stuff. So the truth of it is I spoke with some of my Republican colleagues and they basically told me, yeah, well, we're not going to cross Voss. You know, they're scared of him and they don't want to cross him, whatever, whatever. And... There were people who got taken off of the most powerful committees because they voted a way that Voss didn't want them to vote. Because anytime you do anything that he he has such strict control, they're scared to blink the wrong way. Anytime they do anything, they vote one way, they vote another, they're getting taken off committee. Whereas, yeah, he definitely runs a tight ship. Yeah, and our, well, not just a tight ship, an, an authoritarian regime, basically. Whereas for the Democrats, tight-fisted ship, true. Yeah, he wants to be like this iron-fisted, you know whatever but where whereas with the democrats it's different we vote how we want to vote pretty much all the time and if someone votes a different way than leadership wants them to 
then that's just what happens. There's no punishment. People aren't hurt for it. Sure. And in fact, when we had leadership that we were felling, felt got out of line, we removed them, Peter Barca, and put in people who were we felt more respectful. And that wasn't even anything like that. Peter never threatened people the way Voss did or anything like that. It's just a completely different culture. They are scared as hell about them, every single one of them. They will not do what's right. And by the way, I'll tell you this. A lot of Republicans disagreed with what Voss did in the assembly side, but they're afraid of him. And damn them for that, because if you're not willing to do the right thing in Mm -hmm. the face of getting yelled at, in the face of getting punished, quote-unquote, if you won't do what's right 100% of the time, get out of here. This business isn't for you. You're not a role model. You're a a sycophant to to a man inducing great evil to our state. Sure. I mean, I would even say it's even beyond partisan lines because, honestly, from my perspective, Scott Fitzgerald doesn't run his caucus to the right. same degree. Right. Agreed. Like, Agreed. I, it's it's I've Va- Voss is a different type of on the 100%. Republican side can make their own decision. Hundred percent. And it doesn't mean that he won't like right influence them or, or right. upset or whatever. But it, it's it's Very just a different point. leadership style to allow folks to let the chips fall where they may at first. And then, you know, be able to align your T's and, and I's and cross them and dot them accordingly. But, you know, that's, that's definitely a style. Uh, a lot of people underestimate Robin Voss, though. I don't. I think he's, he's really smart. And, uh, you know, I, I see why him and Mark Pocan got along so well, but would fight against each other like cats and dogs. I, I don't know. I think something snapped in that dude. I think he's a man capable of great evil who will be do the pettiest of the petty thing and do anything for power and would would do anything for power, would risk people's lives for power, would, uh, you know— From what I've witnessed, I wouldn't would, deny that. Would destroy any sort of principle he claimed to stand for, anything for power, and— yeah. Problem is he's smart enough to get it done. See, I, don't, I disagree with that, too. I don't think he's that smart. Certainly, he has a big staff. And he has a good, well-compensated staff. Certainly he has uh, been around politics for a very long time. Okay. He's someone who's been involved since he was in high school, as I understand, and certainly mm-hmm. since college. Mm-hmm. And certainly he has a good understanding of Robert's rules. I would agree with that, although not the best in the assembly chambers. But he has a good understanding of them. Mm-hmm. And he understands procedures b- better than the average assembly sure. person, I would sure. say, but not the top. But I think what often gets confused. What I would say is he's not smarter. He is more, he is willing to do more evil and ruthless things than anyone else. He is willing to do things no one else would ever contemplate. Mm. A move like this, denying the access of a colleague because of a disability for months and months and putting lives at risk if he wanted to go do his job would be something no one would consider. But because of his level of willingness to do evil upon others, that, like a terrorist, like a political terrorist who is willing to use human shields and blow people up, metaphorically speaking, that is the sort of power he's granted, and that and that makes people afraid of him. It's not smarts, though. That's just terrorism, politically speaking. And that affords him more flexibility or or abilities to kind of move stuff and groove stuff. So I think that's that's really what's popping, and that's what people get confused because it looks like he's real smart. It's like, well, how could he get all this done? How could he say, well, it's not just that it's it's smarts. It's not even that. In fact, he's not even the smartest person in the chamber. Not, I wouldn't even put him in the top no, I ten. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But 
the willingness to perpetrate evil on anyone, including other Republicans. I've heard Republicans behind closed doors tell me in confidence that he's done stuff that they think is illegal to them and stuff like that, but they're afraid of him. They would never say it publicly until maybe they retire. Then they'll come out with it. But, you know, he's just got people afraid, and who knows how Mm -hmm. deep it gets. There's a reason that people are afraid. When I say that he's smart, I mean he's able to operate the way that he is, that he's doing, even if it's really reckless and get away with it and not see any repercussions of losing his leadership or uh, really suffering any type of loss. And to some degree, it's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Trump saying I, I can go walk in uh, on uh, Fifth Avenue, shoot somebody and I still wouldn't lose any support. Right. So it, right. it's it's like looking at the deeper side that like clearly he's always been this way. Right. But to some avail, he's been able to do it and not be touched. Right. Um, and from that standpoint, I can see, you know, there's a method to his madness in a sense. Well, and I think I think that he will get taken out in handcuffs eventually. I think that he's done so much wrong and hurt so many people and from what I've been told done a lot of illegal stuff. I think that the you know, sooner or later stuff's stuff's you know, the truth will out eventually with everything. There's a lot of lawyers in that in that staff. So. Well that's another that's another point. Why does he have to well, he, you know another thing that he's done is hired lawyers at a some sufficient rate, which basically means taxpayers mm-hmm. have to pay whatever price sure. at with no limit to it. Sure. Because again, he doesn't give a damn about any sort of fiscal responsibility or anything that has to do with helping people or anything like that. It's only about what's going to and but why why is he lawyering up so much? Why is he hiring infinite basically infinite hours of top rated lawyers who cost what five hundred bucks a thousand bucks an hour whatever? Mm-hmm. Why is he doing that? That's not the move of a innocent person. Innocent yeah, person yeah. willing to do that. So anyway, I, I remember I was on a county board and five hundred dollars an hour. I mean four hundred dollars an hour was like high. Ugh, you're five hundred to a thousand dollars per hour man whoa and and also these are lawyers who happen to be big republican campaign contributors what a coincidence what a coincidence so we're using taxpayer dollars to pay them they're using the money they're getting from taxpayers to funnel back to buy off republican elections and buy off for sale republican politicians what a coincidence allegedly but we have a few minutes left uh so i just wanted to follow up with the following um Right now, we have some serious issues we want to talk about as well. First of all, we're going to have Representative Anderson on. Uh, he on confer- a future show. Yeah. yeah, we'll have Tom Palkovich on for the next show, but then after that, uh, Anderson will join us. So more on that later. But um, we also should briefly go into it. Would you want to address on the international level what's going on? Syria, Turkey, Trump. Yeah, I don't uh, know if we got enough time, but Kurds. Um, go ahead. You know, clearly there are some things happening on the national level. We kind of touched on it last show i think it was really like the breaking news uh decision of the trump administration pulling out of uh pulling troops out of uh out of syria and at the same time uh the president of the prime minister of turkey basically saying you know we're going to advance and uh uh their troops have been pretty much slaughtering uh, their their military efforts and uh, air attack efforts have been slaughtering Kurds um, in in Syria, and risking the even the if it, if the mission was to check ISIS and to uh, 
you know, make sure that these evil doers were being uh, con- like under control, not allowed to wild out. Mm-hmm. Um, a number of them were incarcerated and now are now running free. And these are active, well-trained fighters who are who mean to cause us immediate harm and True. are not friends of democracy or anything like that. Not at all. But it is it is it is ironic to see Republicans like waffle on this and uh show really like a good amount of concern but try not to be too concerned. Um but I think this is one of the uh the latest blunders of the Trump administration and um the frustration of folks on the Republican side of I think a lot of them were blindsided of this announcement and how quickly it's uh, it's dissipating uh, efforts in uh, in that area of the world. So right, and you know you think about it; these are but people are dying though, like dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, a prominent politician was just killed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she she was one of the recent casualties. But I mean, it's it's one of these things that's so bad that even republicans who worship at the altar of trump who declared him their new god briefly briefly were willing to speak out against the chosen one as trump would say right as he calls himself exactly (laughs) so um yeah so it's a it's a total mess but it's again another example of power above all also of any principle and what is trump's interest in turkey as he said in an interview when he's first running for president there's a conflict of interest because of a significant financial investment Mm -hmm. that the corrupt erdogan government of turkey erdogan by the way who trump has publicly praised this is a sick twisted evil dictator Mm -hmm. who has slaughtered and has clamped down on free speech and has hurt tons and tons of uh, Turks who um, basically just disagree with them and in prison mm-hmm. and torture and everything else, mm-hmm. who he's publicly praised multiple times, has, or at least his government, has some significant business dealings that they've given the blessing to with Trump. So, again, Trump's only, only, only care in this world is self-enrichment. Sure. And he will sacrifice innocent lives. Self-preservation. Yeah, and money and power for himself, mm-hmm. much like Robin Voss. Robin Voss might not publicly say the same sort of blundery stuff that Trump does, or he might not, whatever. But again, also, you know, from a personal perspective, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, cheated on his wife, as I understand, his previous wife with his current wife, stuff like that. You know, as far as Trump cheating, you know, as well, and all that sort of stuff. There's been, um, allega- you know, there's been. I mean, also- one of the things I didn't think about is, you know, Trump runs the Republican Party. Right. Right. He is. The oh new yeah, he's taking it figure. over. Just and, like Voss. Uh, there pretty much is no RNC. It is the Trump organization. It's the TNC. Right. And uh, everything has been replaced over there. Yep. And now that I think about it, in Wisconsin, basically Robin Voss, Voss is did. going to be the top Republican. That's basically Fitzgerald, what he's done. aiming at Congress. Yep. And he he'll probably win that door. seat. Yep. Um, you the know, amount of money that... Walker gone, like, right. it was either going to be him or Fitzgerald, and it's going to be him. And well, and, and on top of that, just the the way that he runs it again, it's all about it's all about him above all else, about principles. When you don't have a moral code or guiding set of principles, a north star to guide your behavior, then 
you can make, you know, and, and, and I don't know if Robin Voss went to sleep in Evil Man one day and woke up another day or something like that. I, I don't know how things work like this. I sure. think it's more sure. likely that he might have started off with like some ambition, some, you know, thought of serve, some, you know, da da da, maybe it was a mix. But then year after year, moral compromise after moral compromise, and then what, 20, 30, you know, years later, mm-hmm. you find yourself in a position where you're executing uh, very evil deeds mm-hmm. in order to aggrandize yourself at the cost of those around you. And, and but you can just justify it because it's just one more notch on the belt. It's just one more thing, you know, that's that's happening under your watch and that you know, you keep slipping, keep slipping, keep slipping, eventually it catches up with you. But I do believe the truth will out, I think, with Trump, with Voss, uh, you know, impeachments on its way, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm Oh, that's the other thing I was gonna say. I don't see I don't predict uh illegal charges or repercussions for for Voss. But I do see uh, that he was able to get through this era, have control, uh, their era of control in Wisconsin state government, and see it fade away. Yeah, for sure. Um, pendulum always does swing. Pendulum always swings. And I'll finish it with one one quick story. When I was first elected, Justice Prosser, who was a former speaker, and at that point a Supreme Court justice, took me aside. He said, Jonathan, I never met him before, but he just met me for the first time. I said, Jonathan, I'll tell you something. I've been here for a long time. The pendulum always swings. You guys aren't in control now, but you will be at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow you're going to be in charge. Yep. And what's happening now, the way this man, Robin Voss, who's pointing to this man, this current speaker, mm. is behaving is not normal. What's happening is not normal. Do not treat them the way they have treated you. That's my advice, and it really stuck with me. Interesting. So, what do you think? I thought I thought about it. No, I, I forgot about it until the day with Jimmy, and then it really stuck out in my mind. It's like, oh, this is what we talking about. Well, it's been a great episode. We got another one coming up next week. Tom P- Palkowitz running for Congress. David, great episode. Thank you great very episode. much. Stay repping. We out. Doctors Without Borders teams confront hard facts and. Con-